Good morning. Today's scripture is going to be Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screens. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and grab a seat, and let's pray real quick. Father, I just pray for the preaching of your word. I pray, Father, that you would bless it. What a already special morning of worship to you, our great God who deserves every bit of it, hearing testimony, seeing baptisms. Um, glory be to God. And so, Father, we just pray you would continue to be exalted by your people and that we would hear your word and conform to it. And, uh, Father, would you make us a people that is bold as lions. By faith, give us courage, God. And would you, uh, again, anoint the preaching of your word. Without that, it's just my voice bouncing off the walls, helpful to no one. We need you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to move, to conform us into the image of your son. So would you do just that? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, man, it's good to be back here. I feel like I get the annual privilege of, of, of preaching. And if you don't know me, as Pat mentioned, my name is David McCammon. I, uh, I, you know, I, I am in South Florida now, and I don't have an Australian accent, but in South Florida, my accent stands out, right? And I was asked at the beach not long ago, what part of Europe are you from? The Tennessee part, right? Uh, and uh, man, so, so we're down there suffering in, in South Florida. And uh, we started a church uh, in the last year called Gospel City Church. And we meet in a theater, which uh, is a very unique situation to be in a theater. Uh, impressive enough, none of our people have yet brought in a big thing of popcorn and milk duds. And, uh, and that's probably going to happen, but no one's done it yet. So that's, that's impressive to know. But what is fascinating about being in a theater is you come across a lot of people who never intended on encountering church people when they were coming to the theater, right? They're walking past you. They've got their gym shorts on and you're, you you kind of got like this on or whatever. And they're like, why is that guy? What, why is he? What? What is this place, you know? And so that's a very unique opportunity we've had to, to talk to people about our church and, and talk to people about the Lord. But one of the things that is so fascinating to me, kind of eye-opening to me about meeting in a theater is how many people, I mean, droves of people that are showing up early on a Sunday morning to see Marvel or Mario Brothers or something and have no concern about the Lord. Zero concern about the Lord's day. Zero concern about God being worshiped, about God getting the, the glory and the honor and adoration that he deserves. Zero concern about their own sin. Zero concern about their need for a savior. And this is why the stuff you heard from Ray Levy, the stuff you know lives sin. I mean, you saw it when, we're, when there were baptisms happening. You know, the vision of Life Point, the vision of Gospel City Church is so important. It's so important for you to, just to think about, I mean, yes, there's hundreds of people in this room right now, but how many thousands of people are just sitting at home? 
with no concern about the Lord, his day, no concern about their sin or their need for a savior. And I think that God deserves the worship of the full population of Rutherford County, which sits at about 350,000, says Google. Um, he deserves the full worship of the, of the full population of Palm Beach County at 1.5 million. He deserves the full worship of the full population of the United States at over 300 million or the world at over 8 billion. He deserves that. He's worthy of that. And we just saying that, that Jesus, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. And so I believe that. I believe that the mission to live sent is not just a slogan. It's not just a campaign, right? It's not just a hashtag, but it's a mandate from God. And it's a mission worth giving everything for. And so let me be an encouragement to you to keep living sent. Keep fighting that fight. Keep pushing back the gates of hell with the kingdom of God. It is a worthy calling. Now, the only way for us to continue in such a work is, is obedience by faith. And that's what you've been walking through. You've been walking through the, the uh, Hebrews 11, the chapter Hebrews 11. You've been calling this series uh, by faith. And, uh, and, and Hebrews 11 is affectionately termed the, the hall of faith. It's listed in there, a bunch of Old Testament saints who've gone before us that lived lives that were faithful, that, that, that gave, you know, you look at their lives and you see a life, a life full of faith. And, uh, and we know at the beginning of that chapter in Hebrews 11.1, 1, that faith is divine. It's now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The, the, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so he's describing faith, then he lists all the people in the hall of faith that have actually lived that kind of way. And then he gets the end, which Cade uh, read for us uh, uh, just a moment ago. And it says, this is why I've written those things. And it says in chapter 12, one and two, it says, therefore, I've listed all these things. Therefore, since we have, uh, are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, uh, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So essentially what he's saying is, hey, I've listed all these people out for you, this hall of faith for you, and the people that have gone before you should serve as a cloud of witnesses to you that encourages you to run from sin and to cling to Jesus. To run from sin, to kill sin, and to cling to Christ. Like, like the ones that have gone before us, the, those that we read about in the Bible, but also the ones that we know. I mean, we read Hebrews 11, we're encouraged, but we, we know people, we've had a great cloud of witnesses even in our own life that have given us great reason to kill sin and to cling to Christ. I remember Pat said, I, when, I, when I came to Christ, I was 16 years old. I started coming to this church because someone on the football team at the time said, hey, do you have a church? Not really, you brought me here. And... Um, and I started being discipled in this place. And I just remember, I remembered, you know, saints like Dr. Hubbard, right? Some of you will remember Dr. Hubbard. I mean, such a faithful man who by, by faith, just faithfully pastored this church for so many years. If you, if you were here, you remember, you know, his famous sermon, Just Do It. Anybody remember that one? I just, I just remember sitting under this great saint of God by faith, faithfully leading the church and, and, and serving as a, a witness to Christ that encouraged us to, 
kill sin and to cling to Jesus. I remember my wife will tell this story. When they first moved to Smyrna, they, they came to this church and they had kind of visited some churches or whatever. My wife was five years old. Natalie, I think, was two at the time, her sister. And Dr. Hubbard, in, in meeting them, drops to his knees, meets my wife face-to-face when she's five years old. And just the loving care that that, that saint, great saint of God had by faith. I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so thankful also the story of Dr. Hubbard handing the church to Pat and that transition and, and how incredibly well that went. You don't hear of that today in churches. I mean, I know you're maybe not familiar with that, but most guys, they, they have such an ego that they, they don't end well. But by faith, Dr. Hubbard did. What a beautiful story. But I think about the saints in the church too. I think about Bob Goins. You remember, some of you remember a man named Bob Goins who by faith declared me as his favorite pastor. You know, it's truth is truth, right? You know, I'm no, but seriously, by faith, every week, even when he was so fragile physically, greeting, and many of you are in this church today because he greeted you at that door. I think of, I think of women in this church like Ann Farrell, who by faith served this church for so many years, faithfully serving the, in the women's mission stuff and just so faithfully pouring out her life in, in, in mission and in serving of the Lord. I think of those right now who by faith are serving us by teaching our children and our grandchildren the word of God. I, I, I just, I think of those who've come by faith. And then I think about Pat Hood, who by faith has pastored and shepherded this church for 30 years. What an incredible move and act of God to have such a faithful pastorate for so long. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I think about how by faith, Pat in the last year, really two years, has walked through some of the greatest suffering and yet taught us how to cling to Jesus. I think about, you know, how Pat Hood and, and you know, uh, I don't know if you know this because, you, you know, oftentimes church people think they're always such a blessing. But sometimes pastoring is hard. In 30 years of, of joys and 30 years of scars, and yet fighting to make sure LifePoint is a lighthouse, a lamp house to the glory of God to the nations. These are those that have walked before us by faith that we can look at and we should walk from and say, that life encourages me to kill sin and to cling to Christ. And we're gonna continue to look through a New Testament character today. If you've got your Bibles, Acts 6 and 7 is where we're gonna be. We're gonna see Stephen who by faith lived his life to the glory of God and gave his life for the glory of God. Now, before we jump into, I'm gonna jump around in 6 and 7 a little bit, but let me catch you up on who Stephen is before we look at the faith he had. Stephen was one of the first deacons appointed in the early church, right? In the early church, the early church was growing at such a rate that the elders were stretched so thin that they couldn't meet all the needs of the people. Matter of fact, you know, you had the Hellenist widows. The Hellenists were just Jew-speaking, Greek-speaking Jews from out of town. These widows were kind of getting prioritized further down on the list. They weren't getting the food uh, distributions. They weren't taking care of these widows. And so they're 
came a complaint to the elders, but they didn't have the bandwidth to take care of all those needs. And so God orchestrated deacons in that moment to begin to meet some of those needs. I wanna read to you, this is Acts 6, verse three. And these are the kind of men we're talking about. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Stephen was one of these men. And it's important to note that Stephen was a deacon. He served tables. He served widows before he ever preached, before he ever laid down his life for the gospel. And the first point that I I want us to kind of get this morning is that by faith, do the small thing. By faith, do the small thing. In just a few short verses, we're gonna see Stephen lay down his life for the sake of the gospel. We're gonna see that. And, and, and we're gonna see that Stephen's death is arguably the catalyst for world mission. And, and arguably uh, the reason, one of the reasons that, that Paul came to Christ. I mean, Stephen's death is, is monumental in the early church, but in order for God to use him <coughs> on a larger scale, He had to be obedient with the small things, the seemingly insignificant tasks, taking care of the Hellenist widows. This is what Stephen did, the little things before he was ever called to do the large things. Now, it's natural for us when we talk about acts of faith to talk about big things, right? We talk about, okay, an act of faith is is someone packing up all their stuff and moving to the mission field. Or an act of faith is preaching to hundreds and seeing many people come to know Christ. And we, we kind of think acts of faith like that. But in reality, acts of faith looks more like serving in preschool. An act of faith looks more like leading your family spiritually. An act of faith looks more like being generous. An, an act of faith looks more like taking the opportunity to share the gospel we have to be obedient with the little things. I think of Matthew 25, 21, where Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I'm reminded of D.L. Moody, who says, there are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do the little things. Um. I have a theory about Peter. You, you, you might probably remember the story of Peter. Peter denied Christ three times on his way to the cross. And then after the cross, Jesus restores Peter. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times he restores Peter. But I believe when Peter says, if you remember before he denies him, he says, I will never deny you. I will never run. I'm with you to the end, even if it means death. But he denied him, right? I believe that Peter believed that. I believe that Peter believed that he would stand strong to the end. But here's what I think Peter believed. I believe he thought his opportunity to deny Christ was gonna come on a bigger stage. Like it's gonna come before a court and a judge or it's gonna come before the religious elite or it's gonna come like Stephen when there's men with stones in their hands and he's gonna have the opportunity to deny Christ or die. And he's like, kill me. I don't think Peter anticipated the denial of Christ coming from a little servant girl around a campfire. He was looking for the grandiose, big picture, big stage thing. And his denial came in a seemingly insignificant conversation that he thought no one was even paying attention to. I think this is so important for us, church, because so often we want to 
see ourselves being faithful in the big things when God is calling us to start with the small things. That there are things in your life that you know you're not walking in obedience to, that you need to walk in obedience to him. Most of us would stand here and say, I would give my life for the gospel. But we, we won't even give money to the church. I'll give my life to the gospel. But don't ask me to serve. I'm, you know, I got things going on. I, I, I'll give, if Jesus, if there was a gun in my head and say, you're a Christian, yes, I'd say yes. But I'm not gonna read the scriptures with my family. You see, God's calling us on the small things. And if we're faithful to the small things, sure, he'll call us to the big things, but he's calling us to the small things first. By faith, church, do the small thing. Do the little thing that he's called you to be obedient to. Well, it wasn't long into Stephen's deacon ministry that he was accused of blaspheming the law in the temple. I want to read some of it to you. This is six, uh, chapter six, starting in verse eight. It says, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom. Look at that. If you, if you underline, underline that. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men and said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and, and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was lit like the face of an angel. And then chapter seven, the beginning of it. And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. Second point I want you to walk away with today is by faith, stay calm among the chaos. Stay calm among the chaos. You've heard in this series over and over of how you're called to stand with a biblical worldview in the midst of a culture that is constantly leaning anti a biblical worldview. You've heard that over and over. What I wanna encourage you in is to stay calm when you're attacked. Stay calm in the middle of chaos. I think Stephen gets himself in a bit of a mess here when living scent becomes a full contact sport. Right? I remember when I was in college 100 years ago, um, me and my buddies were sharing the gospel with these, with these guys, and uh, they were actually part of a cult. It was a weird thing there. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're kind of meeting with them, and we're trying to reason with them from the scriptures, and things just got more and more intense, and, uh, uh, and, and it just gets amped up, amped up, amped up. And I, I'm, you know, passionate anyway, and so it's not helping things. And then all of a sudden, like, they decide to get more hostile, and they call one of my friends a coward. Now, I don't know why that struck me the wrong way. I'm just a loyal guy. This is my, my, my bro. He was in my wedding. Like, I, I love this dude. And, and so, like, that hit me wrong. But let me paint a fuller picture. My buddy is 6'6", 280, and pure muscle. Big dude. But when this guy said, hey, you're a coward, I said, you say that again, I'll punch you right in the mouth. 
Now, I wasn't quite sanctified then, right? I was still a new believer, and I did go to Laverne. So all that (laughs) works against me, you know? Well, Stephen responds in a much more Christ-like way, right? He's calm. He's bold. We're going to see him with boldness share a message to these to these people, but, but he's calm. He's not out of control. Like the crowd is hostile against him. Later in the scripture, it's gonna say they ground their teeth or gnash their teeth at him. They're foaming at the mouth. And this is a lot of what we experience in a world that is anti a biblical worldview. It's really just hostile and kind of a foaming at the mouth. But Stephen is calm here. He, 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 he just relays the truth and the message. He didn't get angry. He didn't write them off. He didn't rant on Facebook. He just calmly and, and, and passionately explained the truth of the gospel. He doesn't duck and hide. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not silent. He calmly expresses the gospel. Now, when things get crazy, it's easy for us to lose our composure. Easy for us to lose our composure. And when we, when we lose that, we lose sight of a bigger battle. There, there are bigger things at work um, in, in our holding to a biblical worldview and our preaching of the gospel and our communicating of the gospel, there are bigger things at work. We, we, we don't f- fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? There are bigger things at work. I, I remember Kyle Gowen would always say, he was the campus pastor at Riverdale. Kyle Gowen would always say about any issue, he would say the problem is not the problem. And that's always the case. There, there are spiritual things at work in people's life. Stephen is not surprised that these people that didn't follow Christ are acting like people that didn't follow Christ. So as believers, we can't just walk around mad at everybody because they don't act like believers, right? But we calmly and boldly proclaim the gospel, which leads me to my next point. By faith, we preach. By faith, we preach. I'm not going to read it this morning, but chapter 7, I'm going to read the end of it, but it's 60 verses long of Stephen's sermon before he stoned to death. And in this sermon, he's preaching against his accusations. He's preaching the truth of the gospel of how, you know, Christianity is not contrary to Moses, how Christianity is not contrary to the law, how it's the fulfillment therein, how how Christianity is not contrary to the temple. He's showing them how, how Christianity works. He's communicating to them the gospel. Stephen was living 1 Peter 3, where Peter encourages us to always be ready to give a defense. He was ready. And we should also be ready. And Stephen knows that the only hope that his accusers have is to hear the gospel. He's facing death. He's even trying to help his accusers by teaching them the truth, telling them the gospel. Now it makes them angry because they're contrary to the ways of God, right? The, 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 the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is eternal life. And so he's loving, lovingly trying to explain to them the gospel. He knows that they have no hope unless they have faith, and they have no hope of faith unless they hear. It reminds me of Romans 10, 17, because I know we all have people in our life that have no hope unless they have faith, and they have no hope of faith unless they hear. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Or Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe. And so by faith, church, we have to be a people that preach. Now you might not get up here, 
and that's fine. But you have to have the, you have the opportunity to communicate the gospel in whatever spheres that God has sovereignly put you in that he has not put me in. Put you in that he's not put Pastor Pat in. That you're in there for the purpose of walking in obedience to Christ and to share the gospel. And, and, and simply the gospel is that we were created by God. He is the one who made us and we walked away from him. And sin came into the world and we were fallen people. And, and, and as the scripture would say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us, there's no one that is exempt from that. We know that to be true. We, you know, I don't have to convince you that you're a sinner. We can sit down and talk about that pretty plainly. I know I could. I just told you about me trying to fight somebody, right? And, and, and so but we, we're sinners. But then it says that the wages of that sin is death. But it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life. So, so we know that left in our own sin, we're gonna spend eternity away from him. The only way that we could get out of this hopeless situation is for God to make a way. And he did. He sent his own son who lived the life that we couldn't live to be the sacrifice that we needed. Because as the scripture says, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So Jesus had to shed his own blood so that your sins, specific, lying, lust, greed. So your sins, but also the ones of nature, the sins that Adam inherited to you so that those can be forgiven. So that we can stand in the presence of God forever, made righteous in his sight because Christ is our righteousness. That and that alone. And so this is a message that you communicate to those in your sphere that, listen, God loves you. He does. He slayed his own son so that sinners might have life in Christ forever. And I want you to hear that because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The people in your life, it may be like I gave you the beginning of this sermon, droves of people right now at the theater. Right now, they're sucking down milk duds and popcorn and don't give a rip about Jesus. And you might know them. And the only way that they're gonna ha come to faith is by hearing. And how are they gonna hear? Unless you tell them. They're not coming here. Maybe you could invite them here. But how are they gonna hear unless you tell them? By faith, church. Preach, teach the gospel, explain the gospel. And then we get to the, I'm gonna fast forward to verse 51, the end of Stephen's message. And I'm just gonna tell you, you know, Stephen doesn't have three points in a poem. Um, he's pretty aggressive here. You know, he, he kind of drives this dagger of conviction into their hearts and uh, very calmly, but this is what he does. Let's read it. He says, you stiff-necked people. I should have started my sermon like that. <laughs> you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Verse 54, 
Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him, which is an interesting picture anyway. Yeah, you know. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. My final point I want you to walk home with, and we're going to spend some time on it, but by faith, take courage. By faith, take courage. Stephen is facing his accusers, his persecutors, and uh, he boldly proclaims the gospel. He boldly calls out sin. And I love how the scripture talks about that he's full of the Holy Spirit, that, that he's just walking in godliness. He's not, he's not you know, um, the situation is not dictating his emotions. He's, he, he's literally just walking with God. They're grounding their teeth. He's calm. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He looks into heaven. He gets to see the glory of God. I love how the scripture talks about the Jesus standing. This is not a contradiction to Jesus pictured as seated at the right hand of the Father because the work of salvation is finished. A lot of the commentators I was reading was talking about how Jesus welcomed in the first martyr, stood to welcome in the first martyr. Welcome him home to, 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 to just give him, again, a calm and a peace in the midst of a crazy, chaotic situation. He gave him courage, gave him boldness. And if I can leave you with one message today, if I can encourage you in one message today, it's that you need to be filled with courage you need to take heart. I want to remind you of how the Great Commission says that we are to go into all nations because he's been given full authority on heaven and on earth. That he's given authority that we go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to command all the things that Jesus has taught us. And it says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Let me remind you again of what faith is. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says that it is the assurance Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we as a people need to walk in a great courage, take courage that Jesus is with us and we believe that everything is promised is gonna to come to fruition. When Jesus says, I'm coming again, he's coming again. When Jesus says he's gonna make all things new, he's gonna make all things new. When Jesus says he's gonna right every wrong, He's gonna right every wrong. When he says that every sin will stand and give an account before God the Father, every sin will stand and give account before God the Father. When he says that those who are saved, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. These are the promises that we can take to the bank and those promises should give us a great courage to say, hey, listen, my life is bigger than just the temporary and the today. I'm living for it 
some, my actual home, which is heaven forever. This is, this is who we are. We're foreigners and strangers in this land. Don't get comfortable. Be courageous. Don't get on your lazy boy and, and just get so comfortable that you, you have no conviction for the things of God in this world. But be uncomfortable here. So there's a great comfort to come. I, I love Stephen giving his life for the gospel. He glorified God. He even preaches that. He preaches at the beginning of his message. He preaches it at the end of his message. And, and his death started a gospel movement that literally spread all over the world. You have Christians being, uh, because of this persecution, taking the gospel all over the world. It gets to the Gentiles, which is most of us. So we have a great thanks to be given to Stephen for laying down his life because the gospel spread because of this martyrdom. And then I want to remind us of what Tertullian once said. He says that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. So if I'm encouraging you to take courage, I would, en I would encourage you to say, listen, I mean, what are they going to do? What's the world going to do? Take your life? Great. Paul says for me to die is gain. To live is Christ. But the reality is most of us, myself included, we're not going to give our lives in martyrdom. We might. I, I, if that be the case, then I pray we would be faithful unto death. But most of us are not going to experience martyrdom and have to risk our lives and, and stand bold for the sake of Christ in the face of dying. But while that may not be in the cards for us, I think from Stephen, we can walk by faith and have courage to walk by faith in, in, in things that we have to walk with. Remember, faith is the assurance, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So church, let me just encourage you in a few things. By faith, by faith, take courage to obey God in the small things. By faith, take courage to share the gospel with your one. You may know who that is. This is what God is calling. He may not be calling you to stand in the face of being stoned. But he's calling you to share the gospel, to preach. Would you do that? Would you take the courage to do that by faith? By faith, take courage like Stephen to forgive. Stephen, just like our Lord said, forgive them, Lord. The people stoning him. But people with a different view than him. He said, forgive them, Lord. That is a grace and a mercy that can only come by faith. And there may be forgiveness that needs to happen from you. Walk by faith. Take courage and forgive. By faith, take courage to have a good marriage. I'm going to just sit in that for just a moment because it's not okay for you to have a bad marriage. <laughs> and, 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 and the Lord does not want that for you. So would you not just sit it on a back burner, would you bring it before the Lord? And that may mean you need to take steps, right? Men, it may, may, may mean that you need to walk 
in, in faithfulness to the Lord. You, you, need to, you need to come and meet with pastors at LifePoint, some of the team at LifePoint. But don't just sit on a bad marriage and think, ah, this is what it is. By faith, with courage, have a good marriage. Because you can. You can die to yourself and love your spouse to the glory of God until you die. You can do that. By faith, take courage to disciple your family. Men, fathers, grandfathers. I mentioned at the beginning of this message, the cloud of witnesses. What kind of cloud are you leaving? What do you want to be remembered by? How do you want your kids to be? Would you be faithful to disciple your family? This is the small things we're talking about. I'm talking about family worship. I'm not, I'm talking about just opening some scripture, reading some scripture. I'm talking about just praying with your family. You know what I do? I, I, play, I, I don't sing to my kid. I play a YouTube video. They, they sing more to me than I do. I mean, I mean, disciple your family. Yes, you say, but Dave, you don't understand. I got a 16-year-old. It's going to be weird. Great. They're 16. What isn't weird? I'm not going to be the cool dad. Who cares, bro? You want to be the godly dad. By faith, take courage and try it. By faith, take courage to not cling to your possessions in a world as an end in in and of themselves. Take courage to stand bold. By faith, stand bold with a biblical worldview in a world that does not have a biblical worldview. Take courage, hear me, take courage by faith to drag your sin into the light. In a room this size, there are countless of us that are wrestling with sin and maybe no one else knows about it. This is exactly where the enemy would love to have you. Isolated, in the dark, feeling alone, hopeless, frustrated, affecting every area of your spiritual life, affecting every area of your, of your family, and you just keep ignoring it. By faith, take courage and drag the sin into the light. Get some people around you that you love and trust to help you, to walk with you, to slay sin, and to look to Jesus. And then I want to leave you with Philippians 1.27, that you would, by faith, take courage to only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether, this is Paul speaking, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is the clear sign to them, just like Stephen's opponents, of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you 
that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaging in the same conflict you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Let's pray together. Father, we see um, in Stephen a great example of what it looks like to have courage in the face of, of opposition when cowardice could have easily been the road he chose. He had faith, which is the assurance of things hoped for, that the promises of the Bible stand true. That the promises that Christ saves sinners is true. That the promises that those that have been justified will be sanctified, will be glorified. And this, let it fill us with a courage to let go of the temporary and hang on to the eternal. It's the constant fight of our hearts to cling to Christ and to kill sin. And so, Father, whatever fear, sin, Worry that has a foothold in our hearts and our minds. Would you remind us of the truths of the scripture and let it expel those false lies that we might walk by faith, walk in courage, live boldly for the glory of God, to the mission of God which is to live sent, to go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to go from Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We want our lives to be about that. So God, make us more like Jesus. Put our eyes on him. For your name's sake and your glory's sake, help us to walk by faith with great courage. Father, if there are folks in here that don't even have relationship with Jesus, they've never come to faith in Christ, that they still haven't dealt with their sin issue, their guilt issue, I pray the promise of scripture. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I pray that this morning is the morning that by faith you fill them with the Holy Spirit and they come confess that Jesus is Lord. Save them today. For the church, build it up. Build up your church for your name's sake and glory's sake. Until you come again, let us continue to shine forth the light of Christ for the glory of God to all nations. In Christ's name we pray, amen.